0: The I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My ears are open. My heart is receptive. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord God, that you are indeed the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, we worship, we honor you, we lift you up. Lord God, even with this, this word and this series, I pray, Father, that every person here would recognize that you are exalted that You are King, that You are Lord. I ask You to wear me this morning like a glove. I pray, Lord God, that You would be the substance of everything that is said, that every person will hear the Holy Spirit speaking to their hearts, and that, Father, we would leave here different than we came. We promise, Lord, to give You all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen, Amen. Well, Today we're continuing our series on the blessed life. The blessed life. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. We're going to pick it up in verse 9. Today we are speaking on the topic, Breaking the Spirit of Mammon. Breaking the Spirit of Mammon. Uh, Mammon, M-A-M-M-O-N. The word mammon... Uh, actually appears in the Bible four times, and all of them by Jesus. And in fact, one of them is a repeat. So we know that Jesus uh, used this word three times, and the scripture we're going to look at is one in which he uses it three times, and this is where we account for all these uses of mammon, except for you know, one of them is repeated back in Matthew. So Luke chapter 16, and we're going to pick it up in verse 9, and here's what it says. And I say to you, Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon. It's the first use. That when you fail, they. It doesn't say it. It says they. Who are they? The friends. Those friends may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant. Listen, no servant. No person, no individual, nobody. Uh, Matthew says, No one, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot. Somebody say, you cannot. cannot. Come on, say it again. You You cannot serve God and mammon. And that's the third use. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, this is the only phrase in the Bible where Jesus speaks about something that is so contradictory to God, where He says it's impossible to serve both it and God. It's the only place where, where Jesus creates this contrast that is so strong and so compelling that He says you can't serve God and it. So Jesus so... So emphasizes this, that we need to find out what mammon is, just in case we serve in it. And so, today I have three points for you, and three questions. The first one is, what is... Come on, you, you should be able to finish this. What is... What is mammon? Man, we need to find out what mammon is, or else we could be in trouble right here. So, what is mammon? Now, most people say mammon is money, but it goes much deeper than that, right? Mammon is the Aramaic, Aramaic word for riches. Riches. But, it actually uh, comes from an Assyrian god, the Assyrian god of riches. In other words, the Assyrians had a god named mammon. And that mammon was the god of riches. They looked to mammon to provide riches for them. And that god came from Babylon. Now, if any of you know, do you know where the word Babylon comes from? The word Babylon actually comes from, if you take off the first part, Babel, it really comes from, you remember that tower that they built? It was called the Tower of... Right, Babel or Babel, potato, potato. You know what I'm saying, right? So that Tower of Babel was where uh what Babylon came from. So, uh, Babel or Babel means confusion. When they were building the tower, God came down and God confused their language so that they couldn't build anymore. And so that place got named Babel or Babel because that place was now a place of confusion. Well, the suffix on, Babel on, Babel on, on means soul or plant. So Babylon in its essence means something that is sown or started in confusion. Are you with me? Out of Babylon came this God of Mammon. And the the Tower of Babel, the system of the Tower of Babel really was a system that said, we can get to heaven without the use of God. In other words, here's what it's saying. We don't need God. We All we need is our might, our power, our ability, our wit, our wisdom, our works to get as high as we can get. We can achieve all that we need to achieve without God being involved because we have enough in ourselves to do it. So the spirit of mammon, the God of mammon, the message of the spirit of mammon is this, that I don't need God as long as I have riches. This is heavy. Because Jesus says, you can't serve God and serve that at the same time. In other words, the spirit of mammon is a spirit that says, we don't need God if we have riches. And it's a spirit that contrasts itself with the spirit of God. Mammon is a prideful, arrogant spirit that tries to replace God. And Jesus says, you can't serve God and mammon. Now, why does he say you can't serve God and mammon? Because mammon is looking for servants. Mammon is looking for servants. You see, mammon wants to rule your life. He wants to rule my life. Mammon wants you to look to it instead of God. And many of us grew up looking to mammon. We didn't even know that we we're looking to mammon. Because, you see, we grew up just thinking that if we just had more money, everything would be alright. All I right. want yeah. you hear me? Jesus says, you can't serve both. Because if you try, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be loyal to one and despise the other. I want you to think about this for a second. There's a, a message in the church called... The prosperity message. It's a message that says, give and you'll get, give and you'll get, give and you'll get. And God wants everybody to have a million dollars and a big home and a Mercedes Benz and a Rolex. And here's the problem with that. The problem with that is that that message, when people buy into it, it drives greed and selfishness in their hearts as opposed to driving it out of their lives. Won't you hear me? So what happens is that when somebody buys into the prosperity message and something goes wrong in their lives financially or something gets broken, they get upset with God. And the reason why they get upset with God and you have people walking around mad with God is because they're loyal to mammon and so they despise God. Are you hearing me? You see, that Is a mammon message. Because it drives us to think that our solution is in money. Okay. That's all right. Don't worry about it. I didn't have any jokes before the service. There you go. I have no jokes now. You see, let me tell you what mammon does. Mammon tries to replace God. Mammon is the only thing that promises stuff that only God can give us. Listen to me. Mammon tries to replace God by promising us to provide the things that only God can provide. Watch this. Mammon uh, promises us joy. Man, if I only had more money, I'd be happy. Hello. Mammon promises significance. Man, people would listen to me if I had more money. Mammon promises us security. Mammon promises us purpose. Mammon promises us peace. Mammon promises us all these things. Only God can provide love, joy, peace, significance, purpose. Only God can provide that in your life. But mammon tries to do that. And mammon can never deliver on his promise. That's why you know people who have more than you, but are sadder than you. Hello. You know people who have what you wish you had and they still are struggling in their joy and their contentment and their peace and their their home is a wreck even though they got more. Because mammon never delivers on its promise. In fact, I'm going to say something about mammon you probably never thought about before. But mammon is the spirit of Antichrist. That's pretty heavy right there. I'm going to prove it to you with one scripture. Watch this. Uh, The Antichrist doesn't rule with the threat of nuclear war. The Antichrist rules with the threat of not being able to buy and sell. Revelation chapter 13 verse 17. Revelation thirteen seventeen says this, and no one could buy or sell anything without that mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Here's, here's what he's saying. Here's what Mammon does. Mammon says, if you don't bow to me, you won't be able to provide for your family. If you don't bow to me, you won't be able to provide for the people you love. You won't be able to provide for yourself. When something stands before you and says to you, don't do it God's way, do it my way, or you won't be able to provide. I'm telling you, that's generated from the spirit of mammon. (laughs) Whatever it is, it's generated from the spirit of... If you have to compromise God's standard in order to provide, mammon has caught you. Are you hearing me? That's why when the three Hebrew boys were in the fire, they said, King, oh King, man, we love you. You're awesome. But let me tell you something. You don't control our lives. God controls our life. And we thank you for trying to give us a way out. But we are not going to bow in order to save our lives because you're not the one who has our lives in your hand. God is the one who has our lives in His hand. And we're not going to bow. There's some things that look like a great opportunity that we need to say no to because it is asking us to bow and to worship and to serve mammon. And we have to say, you know what? I serve God and He can provide. I don't need that. God can provide. Are you with me this morning? So it's a contrast. And all throughout our lives, mammon is trying to get us to bow. Mammon is trying to get us to worship and Jesus says, no, the only thing, the only one who can provide for all our needs is God. You see, my man says, if I had more money or if I had a bigger house or a better car, if I, if I had that, you know what, I'd be happier, people would respect me more, I'd have a better marriage. Huh. If I had more money, I could do what I want, go where I want, live where I want, have what I want here 's the biggest laugh, Mammon, man. if you had more money, you could help more people that's real interesting right here, because it sounds good, it sounds good, it sounds good and and let me let me tell you something um, uh, money isn 't what helps people, God is who helps people you, you know well I, I don't know if you understand it. Peter was walking by a guy one day who was lame. And the guy said to him, Hey, can I get some money? And Peter says to him, You know what? Silver and gold have I none? But what I have... What I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Let me tell you something. He could have given him money, it wouldn 't have helped him one bit. But when he turned around and released the power of God in his life, all of a sudden, God helped the man in ways that money couldn't help him. Jesus never turned to anybody. Never tell a blind man, a lame man, a deaf man, never tell anybody and say, you know what? As the come Messiah help me, you know what you need? You just need some money. Not once. Not once did Jesus take money and make it the solution to people's problems. I want you to think about that for a second. Not once. Because Jesus pointed people to God. The real source. The one who could really heal. The one who could deliver. The one who could provide the peace and the joy. Look, when we get stuck in this mode of thinking, man, if I only had... Let me tell you something. And all of us have been there. All of us have been to a place where we say, God, we either need you to come through, or we need more... Come on, shout it. Money. Money. here's what we're basically saying. God, if I had more money, I wouldn't need you. So, mammon is our spirit. Uh, Here's a second question. Uh, Is money evil? Is money evil? Well, you all know that answer quick, don't you? (laughs) Until you've been coming to church here. (laughs) So, is money evil? Um, After all, Jesus said unrighteous mammon well, what he's talking about is the spirit on the money you see uh, mammon is a spirit and I want to say, let you know this all money has a spirit on it listen all money has a spirit on it either it has the spirit of God or the spirit of mammon the money in your account right now has a spirit on it. The money in your pocket right now has a spirit on it. I want to hear, hear this. All money has a spirit on it. Either the spirit of God or the spirit of mammon. And the way to get God's spirit on your money is to give the first 10% to the house of God and the Lord redeems the rest out from under the spirit of this world which is the spirit of mammon and puts his spirit on it. That's why in Malachi it says the devourer cannot touch it. Why? Because it no longer has the spirit of mammon on it. It has the spirit of the Lord on it. Are you with me so far? That's why when God says, "Hey, look, you are cursed with a curse," He's not saying He cursed you. He's saying your money already came with the spirit of Mammon on it, and if you don't tithe, it remains on it. Are you getting this? See, a lot of us say, "Hey, you know what, Pastor? I have a new house. Can you come bless the house?" I say, "Well, I start a new business. Can you come bless the business?" I have a new car. Can you come lay your hands and bless the car? But there's only one way to bless the money. No amount of oil you pour in it, going so go and bless it. Are you with me? It's not about putting the oil on the money. That's not what's going to bless it. Here's what's going to bless the money. Giving God what He says belong to Him. It redeems the rest from under the spirit of mammon. Why would anyone want the spirit of mammon on their money? Money's not evil. Money is neutral. You can use it for good. You can use it for, for wrong. You can use it for, for things that are temporal and use it for things that are eternal. But money is not evil, evil. Somebody said, well, doesn't the Bible say that money is the root of all evil? No, it doesn't. Here, here's what it says. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the Say it with me. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Which while some coveted after... They have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. In other words, loving and serving mammon is the root of all evil. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and mammon. All right, so there's a verse in back into in Luke 16, verse nine. That's kind of confusing, and um, we've interpreted it a lot of us a certain way. And I want to kind of look at it again because it's it's different. I'm thinking about this verse differently now. Uh, Luke 16, verse nine says, "And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home." And so, my, you know, most of us me included, interpreted this as saying, look, if you take money and you're a blessing to people, then they become your friends. And then when you're in need, guess what? They'll turn around and bless you back. You see what I'm saying? That's what it kind of sounds like. Um, here's a problem. That word fail in that scripture means die. So the interpretation kind of messes up. Because if I make friends by unrighteous man, when I die, they will receive me into an everlasting home. That kind of sounds weird. Because when I die, all those people are blessed ain't gonna be there to help me out. You understand? But then it says, if I if I make into an everlasting home, that also kind of throws me off because everlasting home sounds like heaven. How many of you know that that's heaven right there? Okay? So the, the scripture that's not how the scripture is should be interpreted. Let me tell you what it means. What it means is this is that when you take unrighteous mammon and redeem it by bringing the tithe to the house of God and God uses that money to build his kingdom, people get saved. When those people get saved, in the spirit they become your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ. So that when you die and you enter heaven, you will have people whom you may have never met, who are standing there welcoming you and thanking you that you gave that they could be saved. Are you hearing me? Amen. Here's what, you're going to have people who say, thank you, I'm here today because you gave. See in heaven, people are going to know all sorts of things. They're going to know who gave, who contributed to the redemption of their soul. I think when we're standing there waiting for some people and going, is she here yet? Is he here yet? Thank you. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Thank you for blessing, uh, for, for bringing your tithe. Thank you for giving offering. Thank you for what you gave because your gift changed my life. You see, God is the only one who can take unrighteous mammon and turn it into souls. Turn it into souls. And people say, well, can't I give my tithe over here, give my tithe here? God is the only one who can take unrighteous mammon and turn it into souls. Um, Pastor Robert uh, Morris told a story once. He said uh, that when he and his wife were, you know, just married young, uh, and he got saved... You know he used to he he was shy he didn 't know how to talk to people about the gospel, so he would leave tracks he would give out tracks. anybody remember what tracks are you know tracks okay it 's not the stuff that uh, drug addicts have when you roll up their sleeves that's that's that 's not what I mean. Tracks are these little booklets that would outline uh, uh, the, the whole gospel in it. You know, it would tell a story, or it would have a little cartoon, or it would do something, and then somebody would read it, and on the back, it would have a prayer about how to ask Jesus to come into your life. And so, what he would do is, he would leave a tip on a table, whenever they ate out, he would leave a tip in the track, on the table, you know, for the waiter or the waitress to get. But, he never heard anything back from anybody, so he thought, man, I'm not leaving a big enough tip. So, he prayed with his wife about it, and um, you know, they saved up some money, to leave as a tip because I really couldn't afford it. So what they did, they saved us some money and um, so they went to a restaurant uh, after that and they they bought a $10 meal and they left a $50 tip inside a track. And um, so he left it, prayed, they were left out. A few weeks later, he goes back to the restaurant and this lady comes up to him and says, oh, I've been waiting to see you. And it was the lady who was waiting on him. While he was there the first time. And she said, you know what? I, I read that book that you left. Of course she did. <laughs> I left, read that book. I read that book that you left. And I prayed the prayer at the back. I said, then, then I called my husband and I read it to him on the phone. And he prayed the prayer as well. And so, you know, they were rejoicing and everything. And he was so happy. Then he said, um, wait a minute. You said you called your husband. What, was, was he at work when you got it? Was he at, at, at home? What, what was the deal? So she hung her head down. She said, He's in prison. He's in prison. You know what? That guy is going to thank Pastor Robert one day in heaven for that $50 tip because it saved his life. Are you understanding this? God can take money and... Tu- God took $50 and turned it into two souls. That's powerful right there. In fact, that guy got released from jail, from, from prison, and Pastor Robert had the honor of seeing them get baptized in his church. That is an awesome story. Can you clap your hands for God? Amen? Amen. third question. Third question. What should I do with money? Well, the first thing I want to tell you is you need to be a good steward with whatever you have. Whatever you have, you need to be a good steward. Uh, You might be saying, Well, Pastor, look, I don't have enough of that unrighteous mammon to even pay attention to this message. If I could just have a little more unrighteous mammon, then this would really make a big difference right here. Here's the thing, if, if you're thinking that way, then you'll never have more. Verse 10 of Luke 16 says this, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also what? In much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in what is much. In other words, if you have a little and don't tithe, you'll never have much. You'll never have much. All of us start with a little. There is no one in here who started with much. We all started with a little. And God sees if He can trust us with the little we have. And if He can, then He gives us more. Because we are faithful in the little. Verse 12 of Luke 16 says this, And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, Who will give you what is your own? And there are many applications for this. All I mean, there are many applications for this. But could one of the applications, just think about this, could one of the applications be this, if you're not faithful in what does not belong to you, watch this, then who's going to give you your own? If you're not faithful in what does not belong to you, there is a portion that you earn that does not belong to you. God says, I own it all, but I've reserved the first 10% for myself. If you're not faithful in the first 10%, then will He actually give you more of the 90 What's God looking for from us? Uh, verse 11, this is the last scripture. He says, Therefore. Luke sixteen eleven. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So what are true riches? True riches are people. Simple. They're people. So why, why, why do we say that? Because people are the only thing that will last forever. Think about it. Everything else is going to burn. Everything else. We're the only ones. Our bodies won't, won't be our bodies, our, our bodies that we have, but our souls are going to last forever. Our souls are going to last forever. And here's what Satan knows. Satan knows that the more we give is the more souls that get saved. He knows that. And so his job is to put, establish the spirit of mammon to drift us to ourselves so that we can focus on us because people's lives are hanging in the balance and he doesn't want to see hell plundered so that heaven can be populated. Are you with me? But heaven is populated and hell is plundered by our offerings, by our giving, by our tithe. Every time we give, there is a soul attached to our money. Oh boy, you know what? You may not be excited, but I'm excited about that. Because that's why, that's why giving is so important to me. Because I see giving as more than just, hey, I'm giving a tithe. I see giving as a spiritual act because I know that people's lives are on the end of my dollars. Somebody is getting saved because I gave somebody's marriage is being healed because I gave. Somebody's being delivered because I gave. Somebody's being ministered to in ways that nothing else can do because I gave. Let me tell you something. When I give McDonald's my money, it doesn't do anything for anybody. Are you with me? When I give give my money to Pepsi, it doesn't do anything for People don't get saved because I bought a Coke. People get saved because I gave a tithe. And that makes all the difference in the world for how my money is to be used. So God is taking what was unrighteous mammon and as I redeem it by returning the tithe and giving offering, He's turning it into true riches. True riches. Uh, I have a 17-year-old daughter. Her name is Amanda and Amanda is about to go to college. And Amanda doesn't have a boyfriend. She's not in this service, so I can say this. I plan to keep it that way as long as I can. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the deal, though. Here's the deal. Um, I'm sure at some point, some guy is going to roll up in there. And she knows this, here's what she knows. She knows that whoever is he, he is, whenever he comes, he, he, needs to come check me first because I've got to do the vetting process. You understand? Uh, check him, check it through, check it out. Let me see. And one of the things that I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be asking him to bring with him on our first meeting his tithing statements. I want to see your giving statements. Amanda does tell him when he comes, he needs to bring last year's giving statement. I need to see what he gave for the last year. I said, why? Why, why would you do that? Why? Because, here, here's why I know. Number one, if, if he can't honor God, he ain't going to honor her. Hear me. If he cannot honor God, he won't honor her. I don't care who he is. If he don't honor God, he ain't going to honor my daughter. Here's the second thing. Why would I want to give my daughter to a thief? That don't make no sense. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? Here's the third thing. If, if he can't manage money, he can't manage Amanda Cohen. I can tell you that. He can't manage that girl. He can't manage that girl. No, no. If (laughs) Trust me. He can't manage her. No, here's the truth. I don't want to give true riches to somebody who can't handle mammon. I I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Because she's my daughter, she's precious to me. She is true riches. She's she's valuable. I need to I need her to know that that she's valuable. But I need him to know she's valuable, and I need him to know that I'm checking him out if he thinks he's going to be touching the valuable, precious jewel that I brought up in my home. You see, and I can't allow him to manhandle her because he mishandles money. Money is a test. We heard that before. If he can't handle that, then why should I entrust him to handle something more precious than money? Let me ask you this. Why would our Heavenly Father, who has all power to bless you, why would He bless you when you don't steward what you already have? Let's bow our heads together. Thank you, Lord. What's God saying to you? What's God saying to you this morning in regards to this message? As you pray, as you think about it, can you sense, can you sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you about areas where you may have bowed to mammon. Where mammon is still on your finances. Where well, you need to break that. We have drifted in your heart even from the things of the Lord because you're disappointed that God didn't come through in some material way, some financial way, something that you were hoping for and somehow your heart was pulled away from Him He didn't realize what was happening is that you were being loyal to mammon you started to despise God hallelujah you want the spirit and stronghold stronghold of mammon to be broken in your life. Let me tell you something, the quickest way to break that spirit in your life is to tithe. It's the quickest way to do it. So Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your people. I thank you, Lord, that today we have uncovered mammon, revealed him for who he is, And that, Lord God, today we can break the spirit of mammon over our lives, over our hearts, over our finances by being obedient to You. We choose this day to serve You, not the spirit of mammon. We choose to serve You. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus in your heart,